Among revival-minded Christians, I have heard the saying, Revivals are born after midnight. This is one of those proverbs that, while not quite literally true, yet points to something very true. If we understand the saying to mean that God does not hear our prayer for revival made in the daytime, it is, of course, not true. If we take it to mean that prayer offered when we are tired and worn out has greater power than prayer made when we are rested and fresh, again, it is not true. God would need to be very austere indeed to require us to turn our prayer into penance or to enjoy seeing us punish ourselves by intercession. Traces of such ascetical notions are still found among some gospel Christians, and while these brethren are to be commended for their zeal, they are not to be excused for unconsciously attributing to God a streak of sadism unworthy of fallen men. Yet there is considerable truth in the idea that revivals are born after midnight, for revivals, or any other spiritual gifts and graces, come only to those who want them badly enough. It may be said without qualification that every man is as holy and as full of the Spirit as he wants to be. He may not be as full as he wishes he were, but he is most certainly as full as he wants to be. Our Lord placed this beyond dispute when he said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Hunger and thirst are physical sensations that, in their acute stages, may become real pain. It has been the experience of countless seekers after God that when their desires become a pain, they were suddenly and wonderfully filled. The problem is not to persuade God to fill us, but to want God sufficiently to permit Him to do so. The average Christian is so cold and so contented with his wretched condition that there is no vacuum of desire into which the blessed spirit can rush in satisfying fullness. Occasionally, there will appear on the religious scene a man whose unsatisfied spiritual longings become so big and important in his life that they crowd out every other interest. Such a man refuses to be content with the safe and conventional prayers of the frost-bound brethren who lead in prayer week after week and year after year in the local assemblies. His yearnings carry him away and often make something of a nuisance out of him. His puzzled fellow Christians shake their heads and look knowingly at each other. But like the blind man who cried after his sight was rebuked by the disciples, he cried the more a great deal. Mark chapter 10 verse 48. And if he has not yet met the conditions, or there is something hindering the answer to his prayer, he may pray on into the late hours. Not the hour of night, but the state of his heart decides the time of his visitation. For him, it may well be that revival comes after midnight. It is very important, however, that we understand that long prayer vigils, or even strong crying and tears, are not in themselves meritorious acts. Every blessing flows out of the goodness of God as from a fountain. Even those rewards for good works about which certain teachers talk so fulsomely, and which they always set in sharp contrast to the benefits received by grace alone, are at bottom as certainly of grace as is the forgiveness of sin itself. The holiest apostle can claim no more than that he is an unprofitable servant. The very angels exist out of the pure goodness of God. No creature can earn anything in the usual meaning of the word. All things are by and of the sovereign goodness of God. Lady Julian summed it up quaintly when she wrote, 
It is more honor to God, and more very delight, that we faithfully pray to himself of his goodness, and cleave thereunto by his grace, and with true understanding and steadfast by love, than if we took all the means that heart can think. For if we took all those means, it is too little, and not full honor to God. But in his goodness is all the whole, and there falleth right naught, for the goodness of God is the highest prayer, and it cometh down to the lowest part of our need. Yet for all God's good will toward us, he is unable to grant us our heart's desires till all our desires have been reduced to one. When we have dealt with our carnal ambitions, when we have trodden upon the lion and adder of the flesh, have trampled the dragon of self-love under our feet, and have truly reckoned ourselves to have died unto sin, then and only then can God raise us to newness of life and fill us with His blessed Holy Spirit.